Father, we thank you um, that we have this place to come to worship and to lift up your name, to praise you. And like we just heard in the song, Lord, we want to, um, in your name, be able to go out there and be your hands, be your feet, be you to the world. Uh, That's how you've designed it. Uh, You've commissioned us to work in this world for you. And we ask that you would use this message this morning from this particular passage uh, to help bring us to that place more and more of, of being um, your ambassadors in, in a world that doesn't know you. And um, we need your grace in this time to do that. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being here. We have, um, we're in the middle of our series called Our Mission. And as I was thinking about today's message, I had a recollection of a time, a couple of times, where um, I've tried to cook mom's recipes. You know, you remember growing up some particular dishes and you're like, man, that's so good. And, and you know, I, I want to be able to not have to only have it when she comes, you know, or when I go down to Florida. So, you know, you pick up the phone, you're like, mom, how do I make this stew or how do I make this particular dish? And she gives me some basic, basic directions, you know, but it's so basic. Just throw some rice in a pot and then a couple things of water. What's a thing? I don't know. We use one of your mugs. They're different shapes. Like, you know, like, well, whatever, a pinch, a pinch of this. I'm like, well, your pinch and my pinch are different, mom. So like, what's a pinch, you know? And, 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 then, I, and then in the middle of the meal, I call mom for help, like a lifeline, right? It's like, mom, what? it's not tasting right. It's, it's kind of stickier. What's going on? Well, you got to kind of do it like this. And you, you pot, I don't know. The pot I use is like this. I don't know what you have. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm not getting very many specifics here, right? Then the stuff doesn't come out tasting the same way and it's kind of a mess. Um, actually, my wife and, and my mom are, are teaming up to actually try to nail down the written recipes so it can get passed down. You can't pass down just random like, eh, just throw it together. Wow, mom, you're awesome, but we can't do that, right? Um, it's frustrating when you're trying to do something and you don't have specific instructions to carry that something out, right? Well, the Bible tells us we need to be evangelizing. We need to reach people, right? And we get blamed all the time, right? We get guilt trip, like, it's not just the evangelist, guys. You're supposed to be doing it too. But somehow the evangelists are just good at it, right? They go door to door and then they come home and they're like, hey, here's five names. They, they cried, they wept, they gave their lives to the Lord, they signed me over their mortgage, you know. I mean, the, these people, there's people that are so gifted in evangelism. And then when you ask them, well, how'd you do it? Well, what, I don't know, I knocked on the door, I said hello, you know. It, it, it's like they have some lightning in a bottle, but they, it, it's, what are the specific instructions? Is there, a, is there a set of instructions we can follow? And I don't know about you, I wish... There were specific instructions so I could know Um, in this particular scenario here it lays out first you say this, then you say that, then you say this. And that's the perfect recipe for someone coming to the Lord. That would be great. Now, this passage we're going to look at today is Jesus giving us specific instructions. Before we look at it, I'm going to just give you the cliff notes. You ready? You know what cliff notes are, right? Cheaters uh, in college. Um, I never use Cliff Notes. No, I actually, I don't know if I did. Actually, at Moody, Cliff Notes aren't available for these obscure books that we had to read, so we actually had to read them. Anyway, here's the Cliff Notes. He gets his 12 guys together, right? These are his disciples. 
And he's going to tell him, go on this mission and go reach out to people. <laughs> he tells him, go in twos. Now, right there, I'm already like, okay, Mormon, you know, on their bikes or Jehovah's Witness. That already sounds weird. If we were to get together and say, okay, let's split up into twos and go to homes, you know, you're going to get the drawn shades and the slammed doors and the cover. You know? <laughs> That's already sounding weird, Jesus. Then he says, only go to one particular race. Well, that's kind of racist. There's a lot of ethnicities out there, but guys, don't, don't go to all these different ethnicities. Just go to one. Well, what if someone else is in need? Ignore them. Okay. And I want you to go, and it's got to be big miracles, guys. It's got to be big miracles. I want you to, to, if somebody's sick, I want them to be able to pop out of bed. If somebody's blind, he's got to be able to see. Okay. If people are dead, you raise them. Oh, my uncle died. Hold on a second. He comes back to life. Hey, do you know Jesus? Okay, now you're ready to die. You know, just, they just, you put your hand on them, they pop out of bed. You just walk through a hospice and people, this is what I want from you. Okay. He says, I don't want you to take extra clothes. I don't even want to take, you to take sandals. You're going to go barefoot through these cities and these towns. No staff, no knapsack, nothing. You're not going to take money with you. You're just going to go from house to house and just hopefully people supply you with stuff. That, that's, these are the instructions he gave his disciples. So it's weird, right? I wish we had specific instructions. Well, we do have specific instructions. They're just weird, right? They're crazy. It sounds nuts. But this is what Jesus laid out for his disciples. And if we're going to learn anything about evangelism, we should probably take a look at this first lesson in evangelism, which Jesus gave his disciples, and see what we can learn from it. This is in Matthew chapter 10. If you turn there, we'll be there uh, today. Matthew chapter 10. He gives them these weird instructions to go only to a specific race of people, to go with no extra belongings whatsoever. And then one of the cliff notes I left out, hey, if somebody doesn't like your message, say good riddance. Wipe your hands clean. Say good riddance. You know, like, that's weird. That's, that doesn't sound like Jesus. It doesn't sound like... So let's look at this a little bit. Chapter 10, verse 1. And he, Jesus, called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, that's who wrote this book, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him, or at this point in time would end up betraying Jesus. Now, he gathers these 12 guys, right? Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them. Now, here's his instructions. Here's how you're going to go out. Go nowhere among the Gentiles. And anyone that's not a Jew, just don't worry about them. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. <laughs> Wait a minute, isn't Jesus, isn't Jesus the one that told us the parable of the Good Samaritan and the Samaritan's the hero in the story? He tells them, don't, 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 go anywhere, don't go anywhere among the Gentiles. Don't even step foot in the town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They have a message to proclaim. A verbal message they have to get across. But verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. 
You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold, nor silver, nor copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find out who's worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Now you know how bad Sodom and Gomorrah was? Like if you read through the Old Testament, I mean, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of us would just go, oh, Sodom and Gomorrah, weren't, weren't there just like a lot of gay people? It wasn't just that there, were, there was homosexuality going on. The entire town was so base, so morally dis- uh, corrupt. They were so disruptive, dis- uh, destroyed that. Um, remember when Lot had those visitors, they stormed the house and they demanded that those guys would come out so they can, so they can have their way with them. I mean, this is like ganging up on people, abusive. It was crazy. And he's saying, they will have it easier on the day of judgment, those towns. They will have it easier on the day of judgment than people that reject your message of Jesus Christ. And so shake your sandals off and ha- just move on. You know, good riddance. <laughs> well, I don't know about you. I'm like, this is in here? You know, um, Jesus is giving his disciples very specific instructions, and they sound so foreign to us. Um, breaking up in twos, that sounds weird. Um, you think of the... Uh, the miracles that they performed, healing the sick and raising the dead, cleansing lepers, casting out demons. And this just sounds so foreign, right? This sounds so foreign. So when we look at the Bible for help with evangelism and it looks so foreign, you're like, well, evangelism is just foreign to me. And so therefore, then we don't, we don't do it, right? Um, as we look at this pas- these passages, these verses, we need to understand it in the context of the whole Bible. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration that I hope works, okay? Because this is going to help you as it helps me. Uh, When you're moving through the Bible, you get one specific passage and it's weird, okay? It's weird one. You look at it and you're like, ah, that's not striking me as consistent with, uh, I don't know. But the whole Bible is consistent. You have to understand this verse in the context of the surrounding verses, right? What came before it, what came after it. Like the sports athlete that gets ticked off because the journalist took one little saying that he said, oh, look, he hates his manager. And really, he was loving his manager, and he just had one little statement, the sound, and they just ripped it, and it makes a good headline. Context. Read the whole article. Okay. You go to the store, you open the refrigerator, and there's a Snapple bottle in there or whatever, a fruit juice of some kind. Now, you've got to read the label. Well, you don't have to read the label, but more and more, we're becoming aware of the fact that we should read labels, Right? Now, you read the front of the label, and what's it say? Strawberry kiwi. Oh, well, that sounds good. The color looks like if you were to mix strawberry and kiwi together, although when I put it in my blender, it's a lot darker and dingier, but somehow they brightened it up. So you look at it, and you're like, this is kiwi strawberry. You take a sip, you're like, yeah, that kind of tastes like kiwi strawberry, right? That's one surface level of reading the label. But if you want to get a little more curious, you turn the label around, And then what do you have in the back? Nutrition facts, right? Well, how healthy is this drink? 
you would think kiwi and strawberry, that's good for me. It's fruit. But then you look in the back and it's, it's, it's got all kinds of sugar. It's, it's so full of sugar that you're like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if I should have this. It's got a lot of carbs, right? Those are your nutrition facts. So now you have another level of understanding reading that front label. And you're like, well, maybe it's good sugar. Maybe it's like, you know, maybe it's stuff that's good for you and it's carbs that I could lose. Then there's another part you can read in finer print called ingredients, right? Then you read the ingredients and it's got, you know, high fructose corn syrup, beta acid three and simplex. I don't know what the, you know, it's got all this stuff, uh, uh, gum and (laughs) BHT and whatever. And you're like, wait a minute, this stuff is made out of stuff. Where's the kiwi? Um, as you keep reading the labels, you keep learning how to reinterpret that first label that you read. Now you turn it around, you go, kiwi, straw- kiwi strawberry, right? Well, same thing with scripture. You come to this passage, you read it by itself, and you're like, that's kind of weird. Are we supposed to all go out and be raising the dead? Are we supposed to just tell somebody the gospel and they go, you know what, I'm not really feeling that. Well, you know what? It's going to be worse for, Sodom and- for you than Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> You know, and do one of these and then walk away. I mean, if we take this right and apply it directly across to today and we say, okay, we're going to put together evangelism teams and we're going to do it the way Jesus said it. This is how Jesus said it. The words are in red, man. Right. And so we're going to do it the way Jesus said it. And this is what he said. Only to Jews. (laughs) Right. Only to Jews. Ignore everybody else. And those that don't like it, shake the dust off the sandals of your feet. And, 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 and just go out and do all these awesome miracles while you proclaim the kingdom. Well, when you put it in its context, you realize that there's differences between us now, here, today, and the context in which Jesus gave this particular thing. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to point out a few differences. And then after we realize what the differences are, then we'll figure out what the principles are that we should be following. Because this is put here for a reason. This is put here to help us with evangelism. But you can't just take it, print it out, and then hand it out to everybody. And here's what we're going to do. Because it's a different time, a different place. Ready? All right. One of the differences is that this is a short-term mission. Whoever heard of the Great Commission? That's it? Like five of you? The Great Commission. Okay. Now Matthew, towards the end, at the end of Matthew, right, in Matthew 28... Jesus, before he ascends, he's already, he's already been to the cross, he rose again, right? And then now, before he ascends, he's going to give the disciples his last, like, here's what you're going to do. His last commission, like, here's what you're supposed to do. That's the, what theologians over the history of the church have called the Great Commission. That applies to everyone. This is what disciples do. Remember when he called the disciples out of the boat? Now, you're not going to catch fish anymore. Now, you're going to catch men. You're supposed to reach other people for me. That's what disciples are. That's what disciples do. And the Great Commission said, here's what you can do. You're going to disciple other people. You're going to teach them about me. You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. You're going to teach them how to be disciples, which reach other people in turn. Okay? That's the Great Commission. This is a specific short-term mission trip. If I grabbed eight of you and I said, okay, we're going on a mission trip to, you know, Cambodia. Here's the language they speak. Here's what it's like over there. Here's what we are allowed to do, what we're not allowed to do. You can't print off that set of instructions and just give it to everybody who goes to Guam, Puerto Rico, Canada. It it, it doesn't apply. This is a short-term mission trip. 
with specific instructions for a specific mission trip, right? Okay. Now, another difference besides that is that these guys are apostles. Apostles were the first 12 that Jesus commissioned and gave them a special authority in a special time. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about why are, why are blind people seeing and lame people are getting up and paralyzed guys are dancing? What's going on? And then we went back to Isaiah who said a Messiah is going to come who's able to do that. And so Jesus is compassionate on them. He wants them to, to be healed. Yes. But he's also saying, I'm the guy that everyone's been waiting for. And by giving that same power to these 12, he's allowing people to go, where do you get this power? Well, let me introduce you to this guy. Right? So it's a little bit different for us today. That's not that miracles don't happen, but I can't take you by the hand and, and go introduce you in person to Jesus and be like, look, he's here. Okay, we have the resurrection. That's the ultimate miracle. We point people to that and we proclaim the gospel message. But Jesus is giving them something very specific here. You're going to go into homes. You're going to go into towns. You're going to heal people. People are going to see. Dead people are going to come to life. That's all going to be symbolic of what I'm here to do. Now, there's churches out there that go, no. No, you should be able to do all of it. You should be able to do all of that, man. Okay, ask someone the last time is that they rose someone from the dead. Just ask them. Well, my pastor did. Okay. All right. Ask someone the last time is that they rose someone from the dead. And then ask them if they ever preached the gospel to someone besides a Jew. Because that's what the next verse says, doesn't it? So this is very contextual. Now, why did Jesus say that? Why did he say only go to the Jews? Paul explains it in Romans. I'll just give it to you. He said... Um, the gospel comes first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles, right? God chose Abraham. He chose a people to himself to be his revelatory people. These are the people that revelation would come to, the light that would shine to everyone else. It was never meant to be just to them. They were the first receivers and then the messengers. Jesus didn't want to circumvent that and just go to everybody else. He, the plan was give it to the Jews. The Jews will spread it. Now, they rejected it. And then, and then like Paul became a missionary to the Gentiles, and he's like, you guys rejected it, now we've got to go take it to the people who are going to hear it, right? So it wasn't Jews instead of Gentiles, it was Jews first, then Gentiles. And that's how, he, that's how it was supposed to happen. Didn't really shake out that way, but that's how it was supposed to happen. Um, the last difference is, this passage gives very specific instructions and it's not about general evangelism, right? So does evangelism always mean you've got to stay at somebody's house? Hey, Frank, I want to talk to you something real important. Um, can I sleep over tonight? You know, what? No, you could take someone out to lunch <laughs> and talk to, to them about the gospel. It could be while you're working at work and you, you say something about your faith or whatever. Um, it doesn't have to be you literally go into a city. And, but some missionaries do that. That doesn't mean every disciple. This specific mission trip required that. Okay, so those are some of the differences right there that we're dealing with. Um, what are the similarities? What are the things that, that we know from other passages do carry over? Well, one of them is that, that we have to proclaim a message. Well, some of us are really good at befriending people that are not Christian, but that friendship never gets them to the point where anything's ever proclaimed. You know? You, you know that they're created for a purpose. You know that they're missing something in their life. What kind of friend is that? You never point them to this truth. That's, that's not good. Um, some of us have a big message to proclaim. We have a big message, but, but there's no connection with people. Right? So you go to people and you connect with them and then you give them a message. Um, we know that because of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, and other passages. Here's another one. 
Some conversations you're going to have with people are losing battles. I mean, not, not everyone's going to be like, oh, great, Jesus. Yes, I love Jesus. I used to go to church. Yeah, you know, I love it. I miss it. Let's go. Not everyone's going to be like that. You're going to get shut down. You're, the, the, suddenly the, the, the conversation is going to get awkward because people put this in the category of politics and just everything else that everybody disagrees on, right? As soon as you start talking about this stuff, it, gets, it might get awkward. It might get strange or whatever. Now, some people will just reject it flatly. And there's, there are times when you don't keep pressing the attack. No, but you got to, but you got to believe Jesus. I hate you. Now, I know you hate me, but that just means you hate Jesus, and it means you're going to hell, and I, let me tell you about that. You're a jerk. Hey, I just want to keep telling you. You know, there's a time when it's a losing battle. Just the other day, a, a pastor called me and told me about um, a lady called, and she sounds really nice on the phone. She's like, hey, are you the pastor of such and such church? Yeah. I just, I just have a question. You know, how, how do you feel about homosexuals? He said, listen, we love homosexuals. You're welcome to come to our church, blah, blah, blah. And he explains it really well, I thought. And he said, but, you know, the, the Bible talks about uh, certain lifestyles. They're, they're not in accordance with what he, whatever. You bleepity bleep bleep. Just starts cussing him out. You pastor, you blankety blank. I mean, just starts going off on the guy. And he just realized she never called to talk. She called to just go off on a pastor, right? He told me, I hung up on her. <laughs> and my first instinct was like, Why'd you hang up on her, man? You should have. But you know, then I'm reading this passage and like, it's not worth it sometimes. It's not, it's not that it's, they're not worth it. It's that some conversations are losing battles. That doesn't mean you can't ever go back. Jesus wasn't saying we'll never touch those towns again. But what he's saying is on this particular missions trip, it's a short-term mission trip. You only have so much time to hit so many homes. There's going to be homes that are really resistant. Go ahead and shake your sandals, move on to the next one, and stay in those homes that are are accepting the gospel and bless and give peace to those homes, and they're going to they're be the ones that are going to support you. Right. So the principle we extract from that is consistent with Matthew 7. You remember weeks ago, we talked about Matthew 7, where he, where he says, don't throw pearls before pigs. You remember that passage? Don't, don't throw pearls before pigs. He's saying, I want you to talk to people, and it's right after the pastor who says, if someone's got a speck in their eye, get that speck out of their eye. Like, hey, I, I want to help you out. Just make sure the, the log that's hanging out of your eye, your ocular cavity, big old tree. Yeah, remove that first, hypocrite, right? And then, and then see to the speck in your brother's eye. You want to help them. But some people aren't going to want help. Some people are like, leave me alone. I like that speck, you, you jerk. Don't touch me. And if you just keep going and you keep trying and you keep going, there's all these other people here you could be helping, but you're just you're taking all these treasures and you're just throwing it before people who just trample it and they'll trample you. And, and that's not that's not evangelism. Right. Now Jesus is saying, well, I try to help you. So forget it. You know, and never talk to that person again. Maybe at another time they become open. But in this particular time, it's just not it, you back off. You, know, you back off. Right. And so that, those are some of the principles that we learn from this. Now, here's the big one. Okay, here's what I want you to go home with. Evangelism, in whatever time in history, whatever context, evangelism doesn't happen accidentally. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't just happen. You know, you're not just like, oh, I've been friends with this person for 20 years and they just never come to the Lord. Have you talked to them? Have you, have you explored issues? Have you been consistent with demonstrating to them what the gospel means. It, it doesn't happen accidentally. 
Evangelism takes a plan. You know, what, what, who are the people in your life that need to be reached? Make a list. Make a list of people that you're going to pray for. Okay, these are people that I've identified. That these are people that need the Lord. These are people that need this message. And then what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to take them to lunch, take them to breakfast? Are you going to talk to them at that family reunion? Are you going to uh, write them a letter, write them a note, write them a card? Are you going to do some big act of compassion for them? And then after that, and they're feeling the gratitude, then you explain to them why you did that and what the real issues are. You have to have some kind of, here's what I'm going to do right, as a church and also as a people. Now, churches, especially in these times, we lean on programs to reach people. That's something you'll never find in the Bible, a program to reach people. Programs don't reach people. People reach people. And so for us to just say, I'm going to give money to a program. I'm going to give money to ministries. I'm going to give money to churches so hopefully that they can use that money to go get people. Money doesn't reach people. Programs don't reach people. It's nice to invite someone to a program, but somebody's got to make a personal connection with that person and bring them to that event. But what people go home with is not, that was such an awesome event. I want Jesus. No, those are awesome people. And they're so different. They're changed. There's something in them. There's something going on there. I want to be like those people. And so programs don't reach people. People reach people. Jesus didn't grant his authority to a program. He didn't grant his authority to a building or a board or a committee. He granted his authority to disciples. Jesus didn't commission a program. He commissioned people disciples to go and tell, to go and reach, to go and connect. He didn't fill programs with the Holy Spirit to empower them. He filled people with the Holy Spirit to empower them. And so I think one the most obvious lesson here is Jesus gathered 12 guys, 12 people, and said, I want you to go out and talk to people and proclaim the gospel and go be with them and go in their lives and, and, and get involved and go show, but tell them the gospel Person on person, people on people, right? And so as we, look, as we learn that uh, from this passage, um, it becomes obvious that somewhere along the line, we've uh, outsourced our responsibility to talk to people about Jesus to other things, you know, to that newsletter that we support, that missionary we support, that church that we give money to, and we outsource it, but there, we don't, we've lost that personal responsibility. Um, what do we do? What do we do? We're supposed to proclaim the gospel. Now, if you take notes, I want you to write this down, and we're going to end with this. This has been helpful to me. Um, Mark Dever, a pastor out in uh, Washington, D.C., he summarizes the gospel this way, right? Because you've got to know what you're going to share with somebody. You have 30 seconds or 30 minutes or 30 days what are you going to share with that person? What, if you, what, what should you not leave out? What has to be there when you're communicating with these people? There's four words I want you to write down, if you can write it down, if you have a pen. And I want you to learn these. Okay, these four words summarize it. First word is God. Second word is man. Then Christ, then response. Okay, God, man, Christ, response. If you can remember those four, you'll remember the gospel message and, and to communicate it. What do we mean when we say God? God created you. Your whole purpose is God. The whole reason why you exist is God. What you should be doing is worshiping God. That hole that you feel and you're always trying to fill it with things can't be filled. Why? Because you were created by God. He's supposed to fill it. He's the one you're supposed to worship. Your life is supposed to be centered around him. He's the ultimate celebrity. He's the one of fame. 
He's the Ancient of Days. He's the beginning and the end. Everything begins with him, ends with him, is by him, for him, through Christ. It has to be all about him. But there's a problem, right? That was God. Now let's talk about man. What's our issue? Our issue isn't finances, that we're broke, that our marriage is struggling, that our kids are rebellious, that I get depressed, that I do drugs, whatever. Those are issues. But why do we wrestle with issues? Because there's something underlying that is called sin. And sin separates us from the first thing we talked about, which is God. Man is separated from God. Man is away from God. Man is apart from God. We desperately need God, but we don't have him in our lives because there's this, this he's holy and we're not. And we've, we've fallen short of his holy standard, right? And so therefore, there's a gap. We, we don't have this relationship that we're supposed to have and we cling to other things and none of them work, but there's this gap. That's the issue of man. Well, there's good news, and that's Jesus Christ. God sent his son to live the life that we couldn't live, a perfect life, to die the death that we couldn't die. It's, he was sinless, and so he paid an eternal sacrifice, an eternal penalty, instantaneously on the cross. And then he rose to life so that he can pave the way from us to God. Right? So that's the good news of Jesus Christ. What's the fourth one? Response. It's not enough to be like, oh, that's a good story. God and man, and that's our situation. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. It takes surrender. It takes repentance. If you really believe that you're, you have that problem, you repent of it. Right? You say, wow, you're right. <laughs> I've offended God. Not all those people out there. I've offended God. I needed the cross. You repent and you accept Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord. He's the one. He's the King. And now you're reunited with the purpose in the first step. Right? Now, these are all uh, in this passage that we just read. And in verse 7, when he says, you're going to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God is the boss. He's the king. Everything is supposed to be in his kingdom, in his kingship. But it doesn't work. Why? Because verse 8, you're going to go around doing what? Raising the dead, healing the sick, casting out demons. Well, what is it about death, disease, and demons that Jesus is trying to show I have power over? Because those are all effects of our fallen state, our fallen nature. We need God desperately. Christ, in verse 15, he tells them, um, they need to not reject me. Verse 15, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for the town that rejects the message about me, the, the message about my kingdom. And so we need Jesus Christ to be fixed. We need him to be rescued. And guys, I, I got to tell you, that's key. We, we, can't, we can't explain the gospel of people if it's all fluff. Jesus is really great. You know, my uncle had cancer, and then we prayed, and he gave his life to Jesus, and then he was healed from cancer. Come to Jesus, and he'll make you cancer-free. I was broke and down on my luck, and then I gave my life to Jesus, and I got all my finances straight. I followed Proverbs, and now I'm rich, right? Come to Jesus. I was bored and alone. I was lonely. I came to church, and the people are so awesome. We do such awesome events that now I'm not lonely anymore. Come to Jesus. All of those messages bypass the real gospel. Those are fake gospels. You're just trying to, it's easy to get people in pews, guys. It's easy. Come to church, and if you come to church, hand in your bulletin at the end of the service, and we'll raffle off a free iPad, man. Oh, come to church, you know. Where's where's the gospel? (laughs) The gospel is you're dying. The gospel is that if you reject the message of Jesus Christ, there will be a day of reckoning where you stand before a judge, and the judge is holding a gavel, and when he slams that gavel, it's over. It's over. 
And there's no second chances, guys. There's no second chances. There's a time when the judge slams the gavel and it's over. And when that time comes, you had to have already accepted Jesus Christ. Not a religion, not a world, not, not become a Republican, not get a little more conservative. Accept Jesus Christ, the person who died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to suffer judgment. That's judgment. I know it's glowing and it's nicely stained and stuff. That's an that's a, that's a execution chair. Jesus took it so that you wouldn't take it. If you don't accept Jesus taking it for you, then you'll take it yourself. And if we skip that part of the gospel, people don't get the gospel. They, they don't get it. And when G- God asks them, why should I let you into heaven? It's going to be like, well, because I turned my life around. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You can't turn your life around. Only Jesus can turn your life around. And so the response has to be one of recognizing those other three. God made me. I fell. Me. I have fallen from him. I fall short of his standard. And I personally, me, need Jesus Christ so that I can be back in relationship with God. That is the gospel message. God, man, Christ response. And guys, if you're making connections with people out there and you're trying to get them the gospel, you're trying to invite them to church and all those things are great things. Or we have put on a van or small group, growth group and you invite them to growth group and they rub shoulders with other Christians. That's great. But at some point, somewhere along the way, they need to hear the message. And it needs to be a complete message, a full message that doesn't just bypass judgment, doesn't just bypass what's really at stake. We've moved away from it because we come from a generation, don't we, many, where they were Bible bashers and all they talked about was judgment. <laughs> like there's no hope. Well, those are the people that go, God, man, response. You know, like they miss Jesus Christ completely. You know, it doesn't matter where you come from or who you are. Your life can be changed immediately. And you can be saved from lostness, not based on who you are or where you're from, but based on Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. Um, This message is one that um, if we miss it, if we water it down, not only would our message be watered down, but then our evangelism is watered down, right? Because now it doesn't really matter all that much. What does it matter if, you know, everybody's not going to have my worldview. Everyone's not going to vote the way I vote. Everyone's not going to raise their kids exactly how I raise it. Everyone's not going to buy the kind of car that I buy, dress the way I like to dress, and do their landscaping the way I think the whole neighbor should, should do their landscaping paint their houses in accordance with the way I think the block should look. I mean, everyone's not going to do things the way you do it, so why should they go to my church or go to a church? Why should they be Christian? Why should it be Jesus? Why can't it just be Buddha for them? Or Why not just let people be? If you don't understand the reality of judgment, then it won't matter. And I just have to wonder sometimes, why don't we evangelize more? Is it really because we don't have exact specific instructions? I mean, if my kid is starving, if my kid is starving and the kid's going to die and you see his ribs and <gasps> he just needs to eat. You think I'm gonna like, Mom, I'm not sure what temperature to leave the beans on. I'm just going to put something, something together. It may not taste the best and maybe I'll get better at it over time, but I'm going to serve that food so that person doesn't die. So we have to stop with, I just need to learn apologetics a little bit more. I need to memorize a few more verses. I stumble on myself. I'm not sure exactly what to say. I don't know the formula. I need an evangelism class. Listen, you can go and get five seminary degrees and still never talk to anybody. Because if you don't have compassion for them, based on the fact that they're facing judgment, then it means you're not going to really care enough to get out of your comfort zone to say anything. But if you start with judgment, and you don't go up to people and bash them like, you're just going to hell and it's over for you. No, it's a message of hope. And you start with me. 
I was on my way. You? You seem like a put-together person. Yeah, that was part of the problem. <laughs> I needed Jesus. And let me explain to you what I think is going to change your life forever. God created you because of the failures that we all share. You were not able to have a relationship with him, but he made a way in Jesus Christ. No other religion provides that. Every other religion is guesswork, guys. Every other religion, you stand before that God or that deity or whatever, and you have to hope that you had built up enough karma, hope that you did enough works, hope that Allah is merciful on that day. This is the only religion where there's a sure way because it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with what God did on the cross. He paid it. That's the message of hope, and that's the way out of judgment. You stand before the judgment seat. Why should I not consign you to hell? Why should I not punish you? Because Jesus took mine. And I'll glorify the Savior forever for that. The Lamb of God that deserves to be worshipped. And that's your relationship with the King. I want to invite the worship team forward. And um, Man, this is a really, really easy sermon to preach. It's easy to come up with illustrations, it's easy to preach it. <laughs> it's not hard to understand. But this is the hardest to go and do, right? This is the hardest to go and do. None of us want to lose friends because they feel like we're being judgmental. None of us want to get into those arguments where um, you feel like you're going in circles and they're misunderstanding you. But if we don't step out there and at least proclaim a message because we're just afraid of confrontation, we'll never find those that are really ready, <laughs> really ready for that message. Jesus didn't guarantee success, even when he gave them authority to heal people and rise out of bed. If these guys are doing such awesome things, why wouldn't everybody come? Because some people are so hardened that even if they see the blind sea and dead girls jump out of bed, they're still just not going to believe. But there are those that are ready. The harvest is plentiful, it's ripe, and he just wants laborers to go out. Right? Uh, we're going we're gonna to worship in this song together. I want to invite you to stand with me. Um, and as we worship, let's just ask the Lord to uh, massage this message into our hearts so that we can respond to it appropriately when we leave together. Let's, let's sing together.